0: Tonight's reading is from uh, the book of James in the New Testament and I'll be reading from chapter 3 and verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Good evening, everybody. Uh, my name's Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to see you
1: here tonight. Um, I wonder whether you've ever had the experience of the signal. You know the signal? Robbie's giving me the signal. You know, the signal when you say something that you shouldn't have but you haven't realised and... Someone else, whether it's a friend or a partner, gives you the signal of like, pull the foot out of your mouth kind of signal. Or maybe it's the signal it's time to go home. You know that signal? You're at a party or you're at someone's house and there's the signal. Well, I have to confess, I am terrible at acknowledging the signal. I have no idea what the signal is, even though we've spoken about it, we talk about it as we're getting out of the car. When it's time to go, I'll do this. I see that and I go, ooh, that means we need second round of ice cream. And we're there for another hour. Or it means to talk about something else and we're there for a bit longer. Over uh, the years of our marriage, uh, the signal has become less and less covert and more, or more and more overt to the point of uh, it's a surprise to me even that we are leaving as well as to those that we're visiting. It's pretty much, oh, it's time to go. It's like, oh, really? Oh, okay, we're going. Pretty much how it goes. I'm not very good with subtle. I don't know about you. I need a nice, clear word. And words help, don't they? It clears things up. And uh, we're going to spend a bit of time this evening looking at how words matter. And we heard uh, Janine read really wonderfully from James, and there is so much in James, uh, chapter three, verses one to twelve, that we're not going to be able to even go, uh, probably scratch the surface, and about as good as we'll do, uh, because there is so much to dig into. But what we want to look at is, what what do what do these words do? What what do our words do, and can they be something for good, or are they just something that's not so good? Now, if you read James uh, for the first time, and as Janine was reading, I was thinking, if I was listening to this for the first time, how would I hear this? And the only way I could summarise it, is, I don't know if you've heard the the phrase that the pen is mightier than the sword. You've heard that that phrase? It's not a meme. It's a quote from I don't even know from somewhere. I reckon if you're going to use that quote to describe what James says. I think it would be something like this. It would be like, the pen is mightier than the sword, but the tongue, the words of the tongue can set a whole life on fire. I originally said that the, the tongue was like a nuclear bomb, but I thought that was a little bit too far. But words have power to them, don't they? We heard, as Janine read, uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, we heard the power in the words as, James, uh, as we heard those words of James spoken. We hear uh, verses like uh, chapter 8 of, of, uh, sorry, verse 8 of chapter 3, where we hear that the words that come out of our our mouth are like poison. They are deadly. And it's interesting that in this passage, James doesn't divide the words up into good words or bad words or truthful words or false words or ethical words or unethical, he divides up the words that come out of the mouth in two ways, and that is blessing and cursing. And the reason he does that is because in those two words themselves, we understand a little bit of the power of the words that come out our mouths. And so let's have a look at this. What is it to curse someone? Well, to curse someone, we don't kind of do that anymore, really, maybe. Maybe when someone cuts in... In traffic we give them a bit of a you know, a bit of a go in the car, or maybe when someone cuts in the coffee line we're not happy, we give them a bit of a spray. But the idea of cursing someone is not just wishing something bad to happen, it's actually wanting something bad to happen to them. It's actually wanting them to have misfortune. It's almost it's almost like doing it to them yourself. If you had the opportunity, this is what you would do. Cursing is a very powerful and strong word to use. It is a word that is not about encouraging or loving. It is a word that wants bad and evil towards someone else. When we curse what James is saying, is we're saying that, and we do this in subtle ways and not so subtle ways, is that we want to tear someone down. We want to get to somebody. We want to destroy them, make them feel less as we build ourselves up. So let's just think about for a moment the words that we hear from other people. Because those words have benefit, but they also have a negative side to them. Now, for example, uh, when we look at this idea of cursing, if we look in Proverbs chapter uh, 12, verse 18, it says this right there on the screen here. It says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. See, it's interesting that the writer of Proverbs here says that the words of the reckless are like swords, they pierce like swords. Now, I don't know if you had this experience growing up, but for me, that's not what I heard. I didn't hear that words pierced. I heard sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I didn't hear anything about words piercing. It was sticks and stones. That was going to do the damage, not the words. What about you? I don't know. You, am I alone? No. That's the rhyme we were told to try and be uh, more resilient and tougher. But no matter how many times I heard this, and you might be the same, no matter how many times I heard this rhyme growing up, and no matter how hard I tried to put it into practice, I could never really stop those words from hurting. They still got to me. And many of us here tonight will remember words that were said to us as kids words that we've never forgotten, words that still haunt us today, words that we may not have even shared with other people that we still wrestle with, that have left a scar. They might be words about our, our body. It might be words about what we did or how we acted or about our character or whatever it might have been. They are words that we've never forgotten and still have sway and control in our lives, even now. I was trying to think of a, an example that was okay to share with you tonight from my own childhood, and, the, and the, the nicest one that I could think of was when my stepdad in year eight told family friends that I hope Jai is good at sport because if not, he will amount to nothing. Now, the reason why I say that was a nice one is because I thought, I basically convinced myself that at least he thinks I'm good at sport. But really, what it was, was that he's dumb and he will do no good at school. And it was actually around about that time, and you might, it was not that comment alone, it was a series of comments like that over a long period of time that then made me go, why bother about school? I'm just going to do all the sport that I can. At least I enjoy it. And you know what? That's what I did. And even still today, those marks are still there. My wife goes crook at me all the time when I say that I'm not very smart and and I'm not intelligent. She says, you've got a Bachelor of Theology and a Masters. It's like, yeah, but they give those to anybody is my usual response. (laughs) but they're those words that are still in control over my life. And you may have had similar experience, whether it's in that area or other areas. James is saying that these words that we hear, these words of cursing, are words that can set our life on fire. They come in and they pierce our soul And they destroy and break and torch. And so I think this nursery rhyme actually needs a bit of tweaking. I think this nursery rhyme should be more like this. Sticks and stones may only break my bones, but words will pierce my soul and set my life on fire. I'm going to say that again. Sticks and stones may break my bones, By words will pierce my soul and set my life on fire. Now you might be sitting here and thinking, well, how, geez, this just got dark really quick. This has escalated very quickly. This is not where I thought we were going tonight. And you might be thinking, oh, I'm going a bit over the top. I just want to ask you just for a moment to do something for me. We're going to just have a few seconds of Silence. And I want you to be really honest with yourself. And I want you to think, has there been a moment in your life where someone, whether it's your parents, a family member, friend, co-worker, boss, whoever, has said something to you in your life that you still have not gotten over? I just want you to think about that just for a moment. The words we hear and the words we say have great power. I have to say tonight that this has been probably one of the most difficult sermons I've prepared for a while because it cuts straight to the heart. Because our words, the words we hear and the words we speak have so much more power than we realise. The question is, why do they have so much power? Well, there's a wonderful thing that James says in verse 9. It's really amazing. He says this, is he talks about how damaging and terrible our words can be. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, for me, when I read this, I go, why does James include that human beings have been made in God's likeness? Why doesn't he just stop at the end of cursing human beings? Well, I think the reason why he puts this here is so that we will be reminded that right at the beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve, and He created them to be what? In His image, to be in His likeness. Now, I'm not going to go into this. Though. There's lots and lots of debate around this, or what does that mean? What does it mean to be in the image of God? What does it mean to be in the likeness of God? I'll happy to talk about that more with you over dinner not for tonight in this sermon but one thing that most scholars agree is that like god we need and use words to communicate we need to speak that's what separates us from animals that's why we always get excited when we see those youtube clips or those instagram clips of dogs barking or making some sort of noise that sounds like a word you're like oh they're communicating with us no, it's just a freak of nature, really. And sometimes it's not always true. A little bit of editing goes on as well. But the thing that makes us like God is that we communicate using words. I was thinking this week, imagine that, that, um, that you knew someone that only communicated by making the sound of a car horn. Right? You said hi, and they went, honk, 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 honk. Well, he said bye, I went, ong ong. He said, should I wear the pink shirt to church tonight? Ong. Blue shirt? Ong ong. Now, it's funny for a little bit, but after a while, he's going, like, just be quiet. I'm done. Just use your words. See, we need words to understand, to, for clarity. So we know what the other person's thinking, what is going on. We are created like God who communicates through his word to us. He sent his son Jesus in uh, in John chapter 1. It talks about Jesus is the word. The word that was God. He communicates through words as we communicate through words. And so when we hear these common phrases around now where we, we try to uh, build resilience in ourselves and in others and we say things like, all that matters is that you like what you are doing. You shouldn't need anyone else's approval. You just have to decide what you like and that you're doing what you want to do and that's all that should matter. Or summarised in this quote that I dislike greatly, you do you. Right? Basically saying, don't worry about anybody else. Forget about them. Just focus on yourself. You be you. Which sounds great. It's an awesome little phrase to have up on your, you know, framed in your house somewhere or whatever it might be. But the problem is it's a load of baloney. If I could say something more stronger, I would. It is a load of baloney. Why? Why? Because when we do something, it's not about getting approval. When we do anything, we desire to be seen, to be valued, to be appreciated, to be loved, to be cared for, to be encouraged, to be told that we matter. We need words of encouragement to keep going. You tell a kid just to do whatever they like doing, no matter what anyone says to them, I tell you what, that is a quick way for them to stop doing whatever it is that they are doing. Because that means that you should not encourage them because you're giving them approval. That means you shouldn't tell them that they're doing well because they've just got to toughen up and do what they do regardless of what anyone says. It's a sad thing that I speak to many different um, ministers and pastors around Sydney, that there's this thing that is creeping into churches um, around Sydney, and that is that when something goes wrong, or if we don't like something, or if we think there's something that we don't agree with, or something negative happens, we love to speak about it and put it into words, whether it's speaking about it in a gossip way or actually going straight and complaining about the thing that has gone wrong. But when something goes well, or someone does something hard, or they faithfully serve week in, week out, or they just simply do something. Not bad, not good, just they, it's done. You know what we're told to do? I actually had, uh, in one of my churches early on, a retired uh, pastor tell me this. He said, no matter what you do, whether it's sermon, whether it's music, whether it's Bible reading, praying, cleaning the toilets or whatever else, he said, whatever you do, if, someone say, if everyone says nothing, take it as a compliment and be encouraged that you're doing well. What? I ask you, in your job, When do you feel most dissatisfied? When you're not appreciated. When no one's acknowledging the work that you are doing. Where you feel like what you're doing makes no difference. And if you weren't there, no one would even notice. There is a reason why people burn out in ministry quickly is because of that reason. We don't serve so that we get noticed. We don't serve so that we be encouraged. We don't serve for approval. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, are we not meant to build each other up and encourage each other? To be thankful and joyful for one another? The great example is that I guarantee you that we would never know who was on sound or proclaim until something goes wrong. Then you know because you turn around and you look and they go, wow, they'll let anybody behind that desk. (laughs) But week in, week out, we would not know who's there. Week in, week out, our factory gets cleaned. That includes the toilets. Do you know who does that? Some of you do. I guess many of us wouldn't. How often do we thank them? How often do we thank those who spend half the day cooking for us? those looking after our kids, in kids too, or uh, in kids teaching beforehand? Friends, our words are powerful. Our words can either take life or give life. They can either build up or tear down. And I want to encourage us tonight that our words that are full of power are not just words that are powerful to tear down, but they are powerful to heal. Not just others, but ourselves as well. You know, every study that I come across have come across about uh, child development and about building resilience and building well-balanced children. Pretty much all, all those reports, all those um, surveys or whatever you call them, everything that they point to is that kids drink up compliments. They love compliments. They love to hear words of affirmation. Now you might be sitting here thinking, well, so do I. Get in the picture? Kids love to be told that they are doing well, that they are loved, that they are cared for, that they mean something, that they matter, that they're valued. And do you know what? As we get older, it doesn't change. We still feel the same way. We still want the same things. We've just been so burnt and are so tired that we don't want to talk about it anymore. We don't want to confess that we don't feel that way anymore. And so James here... In chapter 3, verse 9, when he says that with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. And then in verse 10, he says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What he is saying here as we finish up is that as Christians, we can both praise God and curse human beings. We can do both of those things, but never the two at the same time. And so if we want to heal with our words and we want to be healed by the words, here is the answer. Praise God. If we are so consumed with praising God, then we have no time to curse men. We have no time to curse human beings because we are so consumed with praising God and we can't do both at the same time. See, it is when we are so captivated by God, our eyes are so fixed on him, then our words and our lives change. See, James chapter 3, verse 8, we're told that, that no human being can tame their tongue See, no human being can, but God can through his spirit that dwells in us. There's this great uh, moment in the triumphant uh, entry in, uh, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the donkey and everyone's putting down branches and ye- uh, yelling and screaming, Hosanna. There's this moment in uh, Luke's gospel in chapter 19, verse uh, 40, where all the, the religious leaders come to Jesus and say, you've got to tell them to stop this. Stop doing this as blasphemy. And here's what Jesus says He says, If I say to them, be silent, even the stones will cry out. See, Jesus is saying at this moment that the reason why these people can't be silenced is because they are bursting to, to, to praise God for Jesus. They are bursting at the seam. Have you ever had such good and exciting news that you can't hold it in? That as soon as you walk into a room and it's, you just can't help it, it's just like, blah, blah, Yes? No? Maybe just some of us? The idea is that, that Jesus is saying that they are so captivated, so consumed, so full of praise for God that they can't keep it in and it is bursting out of them. I've um, used this illustration before, so if you've heard it, I apologise. But there was um, an incident uh, many years ago uh, where I consumed way too much garlic pizza and went to church, and everybody knew that I'd had garlic pizza. And the reason why they knew is because not, I brushed my teeth a number of times. It's a lot of deodorant, but I didn't realise that when you have way too much garlic, when you sweat, it starts to come out your pores. And all you can smell is garlic. The way for us to use our words for the good of those around us is to be so full of Jesus that it comes out our pores. It rolls off our tongue. All we can do is praise God and give thanks to him. Give thanks to him for what he has done through sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. So that, so that God looks at us and sees us as dearly loved children. He looks at us and says, you matter. I love you. I care for you. You are mine. You have meaning. You have purpose. I love you. That we are so full of that that we can do nothing but give thanks to God and to give thanks to God for each other. So that we don't go nitpicking and looking for the things that we do wrong, but we give thanks to God and to each other for the things that God is doing in us and through us. And you know what? When we are so consumed by the love of God that has been shown to us through Jesus... That fire, that fire that was set long ago by those words that someone said to us that have been blazing. When we are so consumed by those words of the love of God in Jesus, that fire is extinguished. It is put out. The words, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, you are loved, Strip back the pain and the sorrow, mends those scars of brokenness, heals where those words have pierced us, and starts to heal those singed hairs of the fire that was set long ago. We are so consumed by the word that is Jesus that it will consume and change and heal us from the inside out, It will heal our hearts and it will heal our words and it will heal those that we speak to. As I said earlier tonight, I've only scratched the surface. There is so much more that could be said about our words and how we use them. But tonight I hope, I hope that you have been encouraged and hear the power in the words that we use, that we will think twice before we speak. But know that that's not the whole answer. The whole answer is to be so captivated and consumed by Jesus that he is your all in all, that he is your everything. He is all that matters, no matter what is said and what goes on around you. Jesus is the way to heal. Let me pray. our glorious God. I know that uh, that some of us tonight may walk out of here with a message that I just have to be careful with what I say, that I need to watch my tongue, that I just need to practice more and be more careful. Father, I pray that all of us will be so captivated by Jesus that words of praise just flow from our tongues and that you may give us through the Spirit who is in us the power now to begin to say words that aren't boastful but are humble, that aren't cursing but blessing. Help us not to just wish good but to do good with our words. Father, we ask that you would heal us with your word that we would be healed. Father, we ask that you would save us so that we'd be saved. Father, we ask that we would encourage as you have encouraged us. And Father, we pray that you will give us joy so that we may share that joy with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.